Hello. This is the 31st episode of the Creative Flow podcast series, hosted by Anthony Bellani and Kim Marie McKernan. It features discussions with thinkers and change agents important to the science of creativity. We welcome Teresa Lawrence, PhD, PMP. Teresa is recognized as the SME in integrating creative problem solving into project management. Since 2017, over 80,000 people have participated in one of her in-person or virtual training workshops, keynotes, or facilitated sessions. Teresa, president and owner of International Deliverables, LLC, provides professional services and creativity, creative problem solving, and project management to help organizations innovate and implement solutions that ensure value realization. Teresa has a graduate certificate from the Center for Applied Imagination, SUNY Buffalo State, and a PhD in Social and Philosophical Foundations of Education from the University of Buffalo, and is a certified project management professional. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Lovely to see you both this morning. Thanks, Teresa. We're certainly glad to have you. Can you please share the story of how you became involved in deliberate creativity? Sure. Um, you know, some things are just as, as simple, as straightforward as, as life lends them to. 2016, I was finishing up a contract as a superintendent of schools and trying to consider what it is I wanted to do next. And with the tremendous support of my husband, he said, you know, kind of life is short, right? Do, do things that make your heart sing. And the two things that really make my heart sing, number one, being in front of a crowd, training, speaking, presenting. I need the energy of the audience, right? Second thing is all of my career were really projects, things that have a unique deliverable that are bound by time. And so it made sense to, to made sense to take a courageous step to not transition, but to grow into what comes next. And that became ultimately what is now being recognized as the subject matter expert on the intersection of creativity and project management. So I went to Buffalo State to do the advanced certificate. Didn't make sense to do the master's because my master's project would have been the work that I'm now doing, kind of integrating these two things together. And then I uh, finished my credential as a certified project management professional. So landed dumb luck on Buffalo State, did their day of creativity, did my foresight profile, things made sense. I could see where the work of project managers or anybody that works on a project could be elevated, where value could be increased, where engagement could be increased. And I saw it was an opportunity to, to, to help people by getting in front of them, facilitating training and teaching. One of my models of my company is to help individuals become underwhelmed by the perceived enormity of their challenge. So falling into this space allowed me to do those two things, intersect creativity into project management, and most importantly, honestly, live a much richer, a much more alive, a much more rewarding life. I think... Uh... I laughed when you said you're working to make your clients underwhelmed. Uh, and in a world where uh, um, pithy uh, seven word uh, phrases of empowerment and excitement and instant success uh, float by on all social media, 
that you're mm -hmm. actually seeking to underwhelm people uh, is almost refreshing. Isn't it a little cheeky? So I'm, I, it's, I'm in the process of writing uh, a pretty big piece and it's, it, it, I, I intend to be a little cheeky, right? If, if, how about this? If we can't laugh at ourselves, you're not that funny. <laughs> Great. So Teresa, please share some insights you have found about integrating your two loves, creative problem solving and project management. What I find in this work is, is that oftentimes creativity is lacking the application and the implementation and the use, right? We just simply teach tools and, oh, great, and now, now you know this stuff. And so for me, the, the greatest insights that I work on and toward and, and look to share is application into new and unknown. So we know the stages of creative problem solving and in work on projects, they, they do in fact kind of parallel and oftentimes dip into the multiple stages of a problem. So even just from inception, right? Clarity, what's the purpose? What's the charge? What is this project looking to achieve? Huh, visioning, right? The project determine the gaps between where we are and where we want to be. Interesting, creative questions. Let's ideate, and here we can do that kind of multiple ways throughout the project. Developing, making ideas better, and then implementing, right? We, may, we, we, we generate all of these activities, we do flowcharts, we do um, work breakdown structures, and then we actually need to get things done. So it's interesting how it parallels, and then anywhere in any work that we do, we're, fa we're faced with either a challenge or an opportunity. We might need to vision, great time for a vision board. We might need to ideate, who might be all the stakeholders? What might be all the risks, right? Criteria matrices, we need to prioritize what it is that we'd like to go after. And so what I find so fascinating is, uh, it, it, I don't think we need to have so much in our head, right? Einstein said, make things as simple and not any simpler. So if you can really hone in on two things, identifying where you are in the problem and select the most efficient tool to move you forward out of that space and that problem, you're golden. And so for me, it is that insight, teaching teaching specific tools. And again, as, as a credentialed and as, having worked as a project manager all of my life, being able to say this tool in this moment will quickly get you for it. The other thing that's fascinating is to have folks think about, even if it seems like it's a small little thing Again, identify where you are in the problem. Do you need ideas? Are you making something better? Do you need to understand what's going on? And that I find is a challenge. And so again, these insights, this integration, where are you in the problem? What is the best tool to use? And then from project management's perspective is how do we manage? How do we negotiate? How do we look at this problem and consider it in stages? So they just, they just so naturally intersect and flow and again, when used and applied, right? Not just straight teaching, good luck, go away. I like to say that I train for traction. So it's not when I leave, when I leave, if I've facilitated, if I've trained, it, 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 I do kind of release you to your work, but I, I, I embody you, I make you capable of using this, right? Here's how you might find out where you are in the problem. And if you are in that stage of the problem, hmm, here might be the tool that you use. So the thing about foresight is it gives us insight to our preferences toward problem solving. 
What we want to stay focused on in our projects, in our work in general with teams, is wrestling with the problem versus wrestling with each other. So once we find out where we are in the problem, if in fact it is a specific, straightforward, short-term assignment, give that part of the challenge, that part of the stage of the problem to those individuals who have that preference, right? If we're just needing ideas, bring in the ideators. One of my other favorite lines is, not everybody has to be at the meeting. If we wanna make an idea better, we're not off the hook, but give those to the folks that have a preference toward developing. They have a keen sense for that. If, however, we know that we're dealing with a new and uncertain situation, a complex situation, multiple ways to do it, we wanna shift from that, what we would have used in that straightforward problem, a homogeneous team, to a heterogeneous team. We want preferences of the stages of problem solving represented. And I've said this before, why? Because second grade matters. We don't intentionally go from first grade to third grade. And in problem solving, we shouldn't skip clarifying and go right to developing. We shouldn't just ideate and go to implementation. So the other impact that I have and projects, we make significant investments on teams. Hire for talent. Know who's on the team. Decide if you're working on a specific straightforward problem or a problem that's kind of new and uncertain. And here's the real linchpin about somebody who facilitates and know this work. Continue to bring us in so that we can train and teach the tools of the creative problem solving process so that when you find yourself in a space, in a challenge, on a project, and you don't have the preference, just go to the tool. Go to the tried and tool research-based tool, right? Don't try to be so fancy and smart and make it up. Hey, we need to develop. What were those key tools Teresa taught us about developing? Oh, let's use one of those. So th the beauty in that is that you're kind of relieved because it's not your preference, but you're held accountable because it's still a critical part of the problem and you're supported because you know what tool to use. That's a rich answer. Uh, um, and how many clients have you heard, have you felt that because they think they know how to think, they can do this too. And uh, we have to keep coming in and reminding them of that. So yeah, you're uh, uh, articulating not only uh, the growth mindset that uh, you and other creative professionals bring to the table in organizations, but uh, um, talking about this, um, where and how to focus uh, the tool and the people. It's uh, very insightful. So describe what has been most impactful when combining creative problem solving and project management with your clients. Again, identifying what is this thing, right? Where are we? Is this number one, is it an opportunity or is it a challenge? And if it's a challenge, is it kind of short, small, or is it this kind of nebulous, ambiguous, you know, oh my God, COVID, what are we going to do? 
So that that certainly um, has been in fact impactful to help again folks learn the process, which we all do naturally. We just we didn't know that there was jargon. We didn't know that there was a structure, right? We didn't know there was a process. And in project management, we tend to be process oriented. My other tagline for my company is bringing processes to life and projects to completion. So it's not as if we're rigid in this kind of waterfall step-by-step -step process because anywhere in the creative problem-solving process, we know we can drop right in. And so again, what's been, what's been impactful is, is allowing folks to be empowered and, and skillful in discerning where are they? What's going on? What is our next step? That's been impactful. The other thing, um, what I find, uh, lots of tools, and I, and I hone in on a couple of them. What I find to be impactful and insightful is that we skip over problem identification. And this is what I say to folks, right? Second grade matters. It's, that's why we don't go from first to third grade. And so we tend to immediately begin to ideate versus kind of really clarifying. Let's ideate, but let's ideate around the real challenge, right? We want to solve the problem, not the symptom. And that I find is, is that is overwhelming for individuals because they've, they've never brainstormed like that. But then it becomes immediately underwhelming because they're like, oh, yeah, I, let's work on that. What we know from project management, right, Pareto charts is, is let's focus on those 80% of the things, the two things maybe causing the 80% of the challenges. Ah, let's identify, let's really kind of be clear in our thinking to be able to identify. So that, that has been really impactful for me to have the capacity to instill that insight in others. Remember, training for traction, right? I appreciate how you uh, keep making the uh, uh, somewhat high concept uh, um, uh, steps, even being it uh, obviously in creativity, but also in project management, uh, keep bringing it down to earth for your mm -hmm. uh, clients. Thank you. And I mean, the, I'm a practitioner, right? I'm, I'm the practitioner. And so what I, what I really like about who I am, what I do, and what I offer is it is the use and application, right? Let's not talk about how this works. Let's use it. Like legit, let's use it, right? Give it some street cred. It's not, it is a process, but, but root it. Be evidence-based, performance-based, that in fact the tools work. And here's the thing, right? The tools work only if you're using the right tool at the right time. Right? I'm not going to use brainstorming if I'm trying to select and prioritize what to do next. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. I'm not going to use an evaluation matrix when I'm going to do a vision board. Right? So this, this, this need to know and understand and be able to do so that you're making savvy choices. Now, here's the thing. We can ideate and we know diverge, converge at every stage and within every tool. What I really stress with clients is don't like don't commit to a tool, commit to tools, and more importantly, commit to knowing when you should use what tool. And here's the thing, sometimes you have choices, right? So when we develop, we have multiple 
tools that we could use. Which one makes sense right now? What's going to give us the most? Remember, training for traction, value, intersecting creativity to project management. Be discerning, be specific. Because here's the thing, time, energy, resources, I, I, I don't have the redo. I don't have the redo in me. Who does? And on multi-million dollar projects, we don't have a reset, right? It's not a pinball machine tilt. We don't have that kind of time. So as a follow-up on that, um, can you tell us one or two of your favorite success stories of applying creative problem solving in your work? Yeah, I have I have two, uh, Kim, and when we spoke, we, I shared those with you. So two of them. One is, again, and I think this is, I think it is a concrete example of knowing what tool to use when. I was working with a not-for-profit organization. They were hiring a new executive director. They did their interviews. They had their questions. You know, I kind of watched them do all this came down and I'll use Kim's name just as an example. They loved Kim, loved her, loved her. But then they all said, you know what? She doesn't have any grant writing experience. I mean, like we're done. She doesn't have any grant writing experience. And they were going to let this highly skilled woman kind of walk away, right? And be left with a second choice, their least favorite choice. So I immediately stop, hang on. Let me teach you a little bit about divergent convergent thinking. Here's this tool called a criteria matrix. Do a quick little example, right? Because we always want the warm up. And then we brainstormed their criteria. Needed to know Buffalo. Needed to have grant writing experience, right? right? It doesn't, will it, all of these criteria. I don't really remember what they were. And then kind of put the names down, right? Taught a little bit about the halo effect. Let's use all the criteria with all of these candidates. Smiley faces. And Kim still surfaced as the lead candidate, except she had this frowny face on a grant. And so again, here's the thing, tools and techniques. We could have stopped the criteria matrix right there. But here's what we know how to do. Clarify the challenge. How to, how might, in what ways, what might be all the ways Kim can learn grant writing. So they brainstormed all that. We didn't even hit. We didn't even need to cluster. They just needed to see that there were ideas and ways in which she could learn. Then we talked about hiring her, making that part of her evaluation, right? Include those things. So if Kim had that, would she be your ideal candidate? And the answer was yes. Right tool, right time. And ultimately giving value to their process, time, energy, resources, right? The redo whether it's a hiring and then having to do that again, she got the job. They invested in her. Everybody's still happy. So again, prime example of great successes, one of many. That's one example. Another one working with an organization, uh, working with a with a healthcare IT company, doing training on project management. It's a lot of what I do is building on the, the continuum on developing project managers, just either a cumin all the way to certification training and coaching. And so we had their team and we were doing training on project management and always when I train, again, application. So when we're clarifying, right, I could just teach it and give a warm up and move on. I did do that. And then I said, let's talk a little bit about your projects. Clarify what might be all the inhibitors to your projects, how to budget, how to sequence, how might we onboard people? right? 
training with traction. So they had the application. Hit cluster, restate. Then we had these challenge statements. And I didn't even ideate about kind of how to rectify those. I intentionally went, because I knew where we were in the problem, went to card sort. And everybody could prioritize. If we address this challenge, we would get to greater success. Give that a 10. If we didn't, that's right. So we did all of that. Everybody in the room, right? And then here's what we always say in, in, in creative problem solving. Does everybody have a voice? Does everybody weigh in? Oh, everybody weighed in? We, good, yes. And we were able to prioritize that. And then across this project team, they could prioritize what were the inhibitors to project success. We gave that back to the C-suite, implemented trainings and opportunities to mitigate that in project management. And they, millions, millions of dollars, right? Kind of taken off the table. It was just kind of left there because they could focus, they could prioritize. So again, two examples of really knowing where you are and not only knowing the tool, right? But the beauty in project management is tool and technique. The tool was there. The technique is knowing what and how to tweak and apply into this new and unknown situation. And again, that's the thing that I love the most about my work is the use and application. I'm not talking about this thing called creative problem solving, by the way, the number one desired skill set in the world. I'm going to teach you how to do it and make applications to your world. And why do we do that? Because then I have relatability. Then I believe it works. I love that. And those examples are so practical. And you think if it didn't go in that direction, it would have impacted the whole future of the organization. So excellent example of how how the power of it works. Yes. And, and through all of your uh, descriptions, uh, I think you are also making a case for uh, the facilitator as the unsung hero of uh, the process. Uh, we're always talking mm -hmm. process and you're um, almost a ninja to turn process into uh, practice. Uh, but everything I've heard from you this morning is you noticing what, when, and where, and not demanding that I'm leading you, but getting those folks to see, like you did with the nonprofit, that they saw the 90% value in this one person they were going to let go because of a 10% lack. Um, and they could realize that they'll uh, they'll they'll tend to the gap with this excellent person in there. Um, it's a it's our facilitation skill mm -hmm. of uh, having that fluidity and flexibility um, in the tools in the process itself. And mm -hmm. uh, you're you're demonstrating in a in a in a lovely way. Tony, and I think you, you you just to kind of go beyond what I'm hearing you say is is there's a great case for facilitation, right? What I say to clients is it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. You're just too close. You're too close. And so teach everybody on the team. And how about this? Teach everyone in the organization so that if you are stuck somewhere, recognize where you are, recognize who's on the team, who needs to be on the team, and then bring in an outsider, right? Bring in somebody else from the other department because do you wanna be in the meeting or do you wanna facilitate the meeting? Because you can't do both. I call it the nose up against the glass syndrome. That the the folks in a department or in an organization are good, 
at at the thing they promised the, their clients and the public. But when it comes to the process of being good, that's where we come in as facilitators. Mm -hmm. So how you've been soaking in this for uh, several years, uh, where do you see our creative community uh, progressing into the future? Yeah. Well, it would be great if we had more traction of people being able to use the creative problem solving process because everybody wants this skill, right? That, that would be my wish for the future of creativity is again, enough talking about the talking about let's, let's really get people knowing and understanding and how to use it. And so where I see is people like myself, people like yourselves is kind of almost suiting up, right? To continue to, to use, apply, teach. I just think that's our charge. That's what's going to have to happen. That's what's going to have to happen if we just don't want this to continue just to be something we talk about. Does that make sense? And the thing is, is that we have, you know, where do I see it going in the future? As an essential training component component in any trade, in any university, right? I mean, and rightfully so, DEIJ initiatives are becoming essential, must take courses in undergraduate programs. How are we not having problem solving? Right? Like we have problems, people in the world, lots of them. There's a tried and true process. I also think some of well, some of my work is giving credibility to this creative problem solving process, giving it some street cred, right? It's on the fringes of management. It's on the fringes of educational leadership. It's on the fringes of business. And so how might I continue to collect these case studies? So when people say we have, we have, I get to go, hang on, hang, oh, 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 remember this thing that we've been talking about that you've been saying everybody needs? Let me point to concrete examples where it's there. Let me uh, look at, ask you to look at it from a slightly different direction of which you would have some, yeah. uh, really uh, good experience. Um, it, it's, it, I know you've been in with uh, some really large uh, enterprises that are you know, looking at spending lots and lots of money on projects. Uh, tell me when you've met resistance and how you've uh, won them over. And it seems like that might also answer your question of the charge that you're mm -hmm. suggesting for the future of creativity. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned, how I've learned, how I've pivoted in my work um, around resistance, I would say two things. Number one, whenever I have a client, no matter who, how large, small, I, I really rest and make an entryway with foresight. Right? Not better than, just different from. Not about ability, right? It's about preference. It's not about personality, right? I don't have to like you, Tony. I mean, like, I don't have time to worry about are people really getting along at work. We have work to do and we have problems to solve, right? So I not, and I'm disc certified. So I mean, I see value in all of that. So I come in there because who doesn't who doesn't love to learn a little bit about themselves? Number one, and then two, when we have that, then it then it. Be, it it's just not personal anymore, right? Let's focus on wrestling with the problem and not the person. So when people have that kind of insight, then they realize like, I'm not really angry at these teammates or, you know what I mean? I, I, can, I can work with them. So rooting them there, resistance. I mean, you can have somebody that's cross-shouldered sitting in a meeting. I mean, right? excuse my language. We know this shit works, right? And so to do a tool, to be coming in either as a facilitator 
And they kind of go, oh, my God, look at how much further along we got in just a short period of time. When I come in with a trainer training with traction to their work, like you, you can't you can't hate anymore. And then if you are going to hate, then that's personal, right? Like I, I can't negotiate, manage that. What ends up happening, I have never had, I have never, I've had haters in the room. I've never had anybody say, I sat through your whole workshop. It doesn't work. What they might say is, I don't really lean into this way, but I, I get it. I get it. So in that sense, winning them over to see, to see value, to see application. That's okay. Some people don't like Italian food. Some people like Chinese food, right? But you've tasted it. You see it. I can appreciate that people use that process. That's just not my process. So to close, we ask each of our speakers, tell us about your creative flow, flow Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. So where my work is not a, you know, where my work is not work is, is, is I think about the, um, presentation I did on cognitive diversity to PMI, Project Management Institute, their global conference last December in Vegas. And to to be in front of 200 people who are like, like birds, right, waiting, little baby birds to be fed, and me to be able to impart in usable, doable, applicable, meaningful ways, creative problem solving into their work. I am alive. It's not work. I am as high as a kite on the energy. And I know without a doubt that they're better and further along than when we first came into the room together. So my creative flow, like doing what I do so well, kind of in service of others, for others, to meet this need that we want, it, it's not work. I put my skills to use, I'm alive. And right, in doing even that, I mean, even just when I do a presentation or do a training, that's a project, it has a beginning and end, and you, right, bound by time. It's a tailor-made training program. Where's the value in that? And where I'm alive is in that intersection juicy space, giving people kind of this gift of insight of application and knowing. And everybody works on a project. You don't have to be a certified project manager. Like just putting this podcast together was a project, a unique deliverable bound by time, a product, a service, or a result. And this is a service, a product. I would consider a podcast a service. So again, anywhere that we can do that, it's it's it is so exciting. And and I and I wake up every day eager and excited to get right back at it. I love that. And it, it shows why you're so passionate and happy in your work, because that's your flow. That's beautiful. Absolutely. I, I think we can grab some of this clip and send it right over to uh, Dr. Puccio um, to put on the website. Uh, mm. you, you articulate what I believe the uh, program in Applied Imagination is uh, seeking to convey as an outcome of uh, why study this. Mm -hmm. And I most appreciate how you uh, kept referring to executives saying that creativity is the most sought after skill. And then you have this sort of gentle pause and you're thinking those, those poor souls, they know not what they say mm -hmm. and that you then bring them the practicality mm -hmm. of, uh, of this is, this is the way that it works. Mm -hmm. And and I'm showing you the value mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, great work for furthering um, the uh, process and the practice of uh, creativity. So thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, here's, here's, I would say my last little thing is you, you can't keep saying this is the desired skill set, and then not support or seek out or advocate right for the training. And so it's easy for me to say, you want that number one skill? Great. Learn it. Here's how. Well, we know that most most executives just run out of their office and wave their arms and say, give me something creative. And they don't understand that there is a skill and that it is trained. And yet we have it. And so sometimes uh, we need to be a better uh, advocate and almost PR people for yeah. our own process. But what I find, that's for another, that's that's for another, for another pocket. Another what I say, you know, what I find is, and again, this is about giving street cred to creativity, right? Former superintendent of schools. I, I say to folks that we're not talking about the creativity that my first grade teachers have, right? Being able to make a cupcake look like a dragon, right? That's create. That's what we mean. No, no, no. We're talking about arriving at novel, useful, on demand. Oh, and then they go, oh, so we're not going to make these cute, flashy kind of things. Well, I, I mean, maybe if that's the result, but that like that, again, is not the creativity that we have. If you want to innovate, you have to first create. So let's teach you about how to become uh, come up with novelty that's useful, new, has purpose, on demand. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. What an honor. And thank to our listeners for listening. This is Anthony Bellani and Kimberly McKernan. We invite you to tune in again to the Creative Flow series, and we hope you will translate your creative flow into action and that your actions will change the world.